Hello and welcome to the Home Misses Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me, I've got Rohan. Good morning, Rohan. Good morning. How's it going? Good, thank you. And today we are joined by Simon. Hey, Simon. Hey, guys. How are you going? Good, good. Hey, Simon. Good. As usual, this episode of the Home Misses Podcast is sponsored by Home Misses Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with the router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. I know it's late here in Australia. Uh, whereabouts are you calling from? Yeah, I'm in Sydney, uh, so I'm another local Aussie like yourself. So I love it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's always good to have another one up late with me, uh, knowing that I'm not the only was he up late <laughs> talking to Rohan. <laughs> it's good. It's good. That's right. So how did you uh, get started in home automation and, and what bring? how did you get here today? Um, I've sort of always been a tinkerer since I was like really young. Um, I used to get in trouble for like taking apart gifts I'd just been given like in front of the people that gave it to me that same day. Oh. So, you know, <laughs> it was a bit of a nice, a bit of a thing. But um uh, I I sort of started out with like an Arduino and I'd written some random scripts and stuff and connected it to a PC and had a relay module and doing all sorts of things with light and stuff. Um, but uh, Home Assistant was probably, I don't know exactly when in terms of year and that sort of stuff, but I'm pretty sure it was like 0.59 or something like that mm. when I started. Yeah. So it was a while back now. Um, no, none of the Lovelace or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I've just sort of been going since then. I've, I think I've rebuilt it about three times, um, trying to, you know, streamline things. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been slowly going towards more of like a vanilla install ever since trying to get rid of custom stuff and just work with whatever's built in. Um, so, yeah, and when you I've say got, like vanilla, do you mean like removing custom components? Would you say pretty or? much as much as I can? Yeah, just just, yeah. just going with uh, the, all the stuff that's built into to core. Yeah, um, yeah. I just find it's a lot more less upkeep and a lot more stable. Yep. Do you, do you find that they like the ones you were using? Like, did you find that they like, caused like crashes and etc.? Or is it just like a more different place to update, different things to do, that kind of thing? Like, just different yeah, processes. More so, just more to do. Uh, I was running yeah. in in a Docker instance at the time, so it was yep. a lot more sort of manual work. Um, mm. Just keeping track of updating everything. So yeah, uh, but I moved over to. Home Assistant OS now on a separate little mini PC I bought uh, from work, like an ex-work one. Yep. So it's... Uh, it's right, right. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a bit bit different to what I was doing before, but it works really well. And Home Assistant was your first, like, home automation controller? Like, you didn't come from somewhere else and then go into Home Assistant or...? I'd sort of seen, like, Open Hab, and, and, but I'd never really used it. I sort of thought it was kind of uh, even though i hadn't used it it sort of seemed clunky to me like i just mm. didn't like the look of it i never really went down that way um right. i don't know if you guys had used any of that before but i, I just sort of looked at it and just went no it just seems a bit you know it's not yeah. as polished even yeah. the early days of home it seemed a lot more polished to me so i, I like experimented with um uh, one like random Windows one, um, and yeah, it was it was clunky. It was very basic. Um, I checked out Homeseer, um, but then oh, yeah. that was like a, a Windows based app. Um, it was very Z-Wave focused. You sort of needed to have you know a whole Windows machine running twenty four seven for it, um, which I thought was a bit yeah overkill at the time. Um, and then I was sort of like in a decision point, like all right, where do I go from here? I started looking around. Um, and I think, yeah, Home Assistant was really starting to uh, come on when I was sort of um, – everyone was starting to talk about Home Assistant, right? Um, and I was like, let's check it out. Uh, the decision point for me was I'm going to go open source, um, something that's mm-hmm. gonna, that I can control, um, not something like locked in. Um, like I think Fabaro have a whole home control center that you can get. It's like $1,000. Um, and I was like, I'm not keen on spending $1,000 for something that, you know, I don't have full control over potentially. Um, and I think, yeah, OpenHab and HomeAssistant were sort of the, the two contenders. And the only reason I really chose HomeAssistant at the time was because 
uh, I read that uh, OpenHab, I think, was written underneath in Java. And if I wanted to do custom coding, I wasn't really keen on getting Java, right. Right? having to go in and code Java, whereas Python seemed a bit of a less learning curve for me. Yeah, I did, I did a bit of Java at uni and I just could not stand it. And I was just like, no. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and even for me, like I, I started down I, when I when I when I moved into this house, I uh, I did smart things. I started with that, right? And it was it, it again at the time, even it was pretty slick. Um, and like even as like, and this is again very early days of Home Assistant, right? Where as Home Assistant was still building, and there was no again, like you said, Simon, there's no Lovelace, there's no any of that stuff either. But uh, and and Home uh, and Smart Things was really slick this is way before the samsung acquisition of it and so on but uh it was if i wanted to do anything even remotely advanced i needed to learn groovy and and honestly that was a wasn't i wasn't getting into that and it's like um yeah i just didn't want to do that and i said okay you know what this is yaml which is and which to be fair i didn't know that yaml at the time either but it's not like it's not a programming language right it's just a structure and you just say okay (laughs) it's fairly logical okay cool like here it is right and and uh and i saw it was actually there's a lot of people talking about it meaning i knew there was going to be at least decent community support behind it um and 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 to be fair smart things also had that at the time but it's uh yeah it was just i don't know home assistant seemed a lot easier to do more advanced things um rather than Mm, having to learn a whole new programming language right it's that that's just annoying to me so and you've probably seen it, Phil, at least at least here in Australia, that we're starting to see a lot more options for devices and things now. But back then, there was a lot less. Oh, such a hassle. Like even uh, Z-Wave devices that um, I remember there was there's a Z-Wave mouse trap that was available mm-hmm. in the US. Um, like, you know, it would just alert you on a simple Z-Wave, say, hey, I've caught a mouse, come and deal with it. Um, but in Australia, because of the frequencies are different for Z-Wave, you couldn't actually purchase like that device because no one made that radio uh frequency for that device so there's yeah, right. even like yeah like you, and then good luck trying to get philips hue um uh, the new philips hue bulbs i think europe has a whole bunch of philips hue stuff that we even today we don't have access to um, uh, wow and ikea i think Oh, yeah, IKEA was like it took ages to bring out some of their smart home stuff. I don't think we've got the IKEA smart sensor that they've just released this year. Um, the blinds, I think, of uh, becoming maybe like no longer being sold in Australia for whatever reason. Um, they're quite hard to find, so it's always yeah, slow trickle getting stuff down here because the market's yeah. just not enough, right? Even combined with New Zealand, who yeah. have like the similar sort of you know same power sockets, same sort of standards and. And all that's so and, frustrating. And I mean, back then, like, you were sort of forced to to mix and match things. So Home mm-hmm. Assistant was really, like, the one thing you'd be like, yeah. I know I can get this to work here between all these different brands. So, yeah. 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 Did, you, did you guys find that it's, like, in Australia, it's because you guys have a lot of issues with... Um, what am I trying to say? You guys have a lot of issues with, like, you know, getting getting products, like you were saying, right? So do you find that that's the case with everything, even, like, Wi-Fi, BLE, like all of those kind of things, is is it just like the it's a much harder RF kind of market? Australia invented Wi-Fi, so we're we're fine with our Wi-Fi. Um, but yeah. I think um, it's more of a regulation thing. I don't, th- I don't. Th- yeah, yeah. Bit sl- yeah, yeah. Like in a lot of senses, the government's pretty progressive on some things, but yeah, um, we do it on sort of caution. You know, sometimes like if a like we've got 5G pretty quickly, right? Yeah. And all, all that stuff. It's just, yeah. I think once the regulations are there, then it's just comes down to, all right, what company is actually going to come down and, and bring this new technology down under when, you know, there's only 25 million yeah. Australians, whereas, you know, there's like 100 million in America or something. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I think even like you guys were – pretty early in adopting Wi-Fi 6E as well, right? Mm. With like the six, new six gigahertz spectrum and and so on. But interesting. Yeah. So Simon, tell us a bit about your smart home setup. Like what does the, yeah. what does your current smart home look like and, or how do you consider it smart? It's sort of a whole bunch of stuff joined together at the moment. We're renting. So there's only so much that we can do. Mm. Um, but 
I've kind of had just patched together and installed things on top of existing infrastructure in the house. Uh, like this, uh, we've got an alarm system. It's like a DSC branded alarm system. Um, and that's from the house that you brought yeah, yourself in the house. Already attached. Yeah, that's, that's already, already in the house. Yeah. So, but, yeah. um, I wanted to sort of connect that and get all the sensors and arm and disarm and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I found um, there's like a board you can get uh, where you can plug in a, a, an Ethernet cable and, and connect it all up. But obviously I can't run wires, so that's useless to me. Um, but I found like a an open source um, repository someone to put on GitHub um, and you can flash it onto an ESP8266 or an ESP32. It basically mimics a keypad. So it's like it's another keypad on the on the alarm system. Yep. Um, and from that, uh, I just took their schematics and had a PCB made and and just plugged it in and piggybacked off that. And so um, right. that actually works really well. Um, so there's a port on the control panel that you can plug into to then access yeah, it? Yeah, so there's like... So inside the board, there's like four terminals that your keypad's plugged into now and you just piggyback off those. And as far as oh, it's wow. concerned, it's just another keypad. Like it doesn't know any better. Mm. And so and there was mean. no damage to the original keypad? Because I'm guessing like as a renter, you're going to have to return the keypad to its original form. So you didn't damage the keypad? No, the keypad's anything? still on the wall. So, oh, so wow. the keypad is there. You can still use it. It's yeah. in the actual cabinet that holds all the the board that controls oh, the alarm. right. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, now, yeah. So you just screw that, into a terminal and then when I leave, I just take it out and, like, it's... That's so great. cool. It's a, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, um, and that gives you, like, access to all the sensors as well? Yeah, so there's a... there's a The keypad's right near the front door, so that mm-hmm. has, like, a sensor, um, a read switch piggybacked off that to give me the door sensor of the front door. Yep. Then there's obviously yeah. all the motion sensors. There's a motion sensor in the garage. Um... And, yeah, I just did all that information through. So that works really well. That's really cool. Um, and I'm guessing all these sensors are hardwired into the house then? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. So I've got some. Yeah. I've also got some, like, Philips Hue motion sensors and that sort of stuff, but I like the idea of avoiding batteries wherever I can. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I've just gone in and installed, like, battery door sensors in all the doors in the house, right? Internal, uh-huh. external. And yeah, just having to change the batteries is a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So, Like even if they last two years, if you've got 50 of them, they're going to start staggering and you'll, you know, once a yeah. week you'll be replacing even then, them. So. Right? Like in high traffic areas, like that two years is a very loose two years. I've got um, the front door I'm replacing every three to six months easily. Yeah, um, okay. And once the battery starts going down a little bit, the signal starts dropping out. Um, so then, yeah, you get you may close the door, but doesn't send the signal that the door's closed. And then you're left uh-huh. in limbo, like, can I trust this sensor? So and I, I think a lot of um, security companies now are just defaulting to sending, putting in wireless sensors anyway, because they yeah. don't want to run wires through existing houses and, and all that. So, yeah, probably in a, in a sense, you're lucky to have an old school Alarms yeah. and it's hardwired around. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen. Uh, you know, uh, do you guys know the the YouTube ta- channel Level One Techs? It's got Wendell on it. He had a playlist on there that I thought was really good. He was talking about IoT and like the problem with how the, the the industry is at the moment with the sensors and all that sort of stuff, and how we could improve it to be more like industrial systems mm. and in terms of reliability yeah. and that sort of stuff. So I sort of followed his philosophy on a lot of things. Um, I like the idea of like piggybacking off an existing AC or, or yes, um, yeah. you know, so all the functionality yeah. is still there. Um, so that's what I've tried to do. But here, basically, I've got um, I've got a little a little SP board on on the garage door opener as well because you know that's another thing you just take with you once you go. So um, that's been quite handy because we don't have a, a internal access to the garage. So what spurred me to put that in is my wife would come in and, and she gets to close the garage door and it would just be open all night. And yeah. So I was like, oh, I've got to do something about that. Yeah. Um, or you lock the key, the remote in the garage and then you've got no way to yeah. get back in. Yeah. 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 So you put that in and then you think, oh, maybe it'd be cool if I, you know, drive in the driveway and the door would open. And so it's, you know, gone down that path. Because I've got a really <laughs> steep driveway and the door's really slow. 
So you got to go up the driveway and then sit and wait for the thing to open. So right. yeah, I wanted to automate that. So I've finally found a way that that sort of works because um, I tried a few different things. But uh, like uh, I was trying to set input booleans through the Home Assistant app when I get into the car. But depending yeah, on where yeah. I am, I might not have any service. And then that just falls apart when you get home because it doesn't connect and go through and like that. So my latest one is that I know I have internet service in my current zone at home. Yep. Um, and it shows you um, the web you get from the, the home assistant app shows you whether you've got a focus mode on. So when you're driving, it's set to the driving focus. So I know that I'm driving in the car. And it's, just, it's just flawless now. It works really well. Um, That's interesting. Nice. So is that an iOS feature, like the focus mode, or uh, an Android focus mode? Yeah, so it's a it's a iOS feature. Um, so when you connect to CarPlay, it just sets it into driving mode, and it's for things like it's meant to be for like silencing your SMSs and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah. I just I just set that all to not do anything. All it does is just tells Home Assistant that I'm driving, um, yeah, which which works quite well. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. That's actually not not a bad way to do uh, like other automations too. It's just got me thinking. That's actually really cool. Yeah, so you get like the you get like the automotive or your walking or your stationary or whatever. So you can yeah. you can pair it with that because I wanted to split. I'm still trying to find out a way. Like if I'm driving my wife's car, then we've both got CarPlay, but you can't currently yeah. distinguish between the two cars. Uh, right. So like, if you have two doors, which one left door, or right door? You don't know. Yeah. Well, I've seen people do like um, like little ESP sensors or something like that in the cars too, right? So when it when that car arrives and then mm-hmm. you are in that car, so it says basically it's, it's two different sensors, right? One is on the phone saying this is Simon, the yeah. other one's on the phone saying this is car number one, right? And then uh-huh. when you combine those two, you say okay, Simon is in car number one, and then based on that, you can do whatever. I might I, I tried doing that. I might try and look into it again, but I, it was really slow for me. It just wasn't opening. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So what else have you done in terms of, so you've got your alarm panel in mm-hmm. place um, and that mm-hmm. gives you access to sensors. Have you got like motion activated lighting, like being in a rental, I'm guessing you're not changing switches. How I'm not changing you- switches. I've got, I've got a lot of lamps with, with smart bulbs in them. Yep. Um, and I'm trying to do like... Um, like where I can, not having to manually touch them. So, yep. for example, the ones in the I've got a few in the living room, and they'll come on just before sunset, and then they'll just stay on. Um, but for example, when we go to bed, like it goes into night mode automatically. But rather than doing it from like just plugging my phone in or something like that, um, I've got like a it's like a template trigger sensor, and mm-hmm. so it looks at a bunch of. Um, motion um, binary sensors and I've got them grouped into two different triggers. So one's for like common areas and one's for bedrooms. And so when a bedroom one triggers, it says, okay, someone's gone into the bedroom after this time at night and there's no presence or like meal mother wave or any motion anywhere in the house. Um, there's Once the motion's completely dead, then we'll start turning it down uh, and then it turns it off. So that way... No matter who goes in which bedroom, who goes to bed first, you get up in the middle of the night, they come on dim and they go back off when you go back to bed. Very um, nice. And that, yeah, that triggers like smart plugs as well, which turn off a bunch of stuff. And yeah. Yeah, so it works quite well. And you mentioned the millimeter wave sensors. So I'm guessing that the house alarm panels have got, you know, standard infrared. Um, Correct, or, yeah. 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 Um, so they were, you can access that pretty quickly. In terms of turning lights off, do you okay. find that the alarm panel sensors don't, like if you're stationary in a couch, they turn lights off? So you've got, and I'm guessing you've now got millimeter wave sensors to complement those? I haven't had them for that long, actually. I'm just playing around with them now. But previously I was using, um, like with ESP Home, you can, you can put a, uh, it's a really basic sort of script that you put on one of the devices. The basic, uh, when you plug it in, you give it power, it sends a ping and says, I'm alive, and just sends a heartbeat every now and then. Yep. And so I'd have that plugged into the USB port of the TV or into my nice. computer monitors. So right. I'd know that if I'm sitting there, it's not going to turn everything off. That's part of the sort of presence 
but I've just added a little bit of wave recently. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's what I always found too. Um, before I was using, you know, those millimeter wave sensors, you know, you have to use other signals in the house to know if someone's in the room, right? Um, okay. TV's on, okay, don't turn the t- lights off if the TV's on, for example. Mm. Um, yeah. Problem with that is, of course, if someone leaves the TV on, then the lights never turn off. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I also, like, I was playing around with some, uh, I was looking at AliExpress. I found some, like, you know how in your car, your, your car seat sensor, found some of them, and I was using them for, like, bed sensors and things like that. They work okay, um, but ever since I've gone really away, I just haven't bothered with them anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a real game changer, I think. Um, in the last couple of years, it's changed everything, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because you didn't really see it too often, and then all of a sudden you're like, because it's been around for present sensors have been around for quite a while, right? It's nothing uh-huh. new, but in the last, I think it just became a lot more accessible, maybe, and then mm. it just started snowballing from there, right? So it's uh, so how are you driving home? Are you the only one in the house that sort of? And has control of the house? Have you opened it up to anyone else in the house to be able to access Home Assistant? Are you tablets on the wall or anything like that? I've done any tablets on the wall. I'd like to, but I don't really have any way to mount them. Um, if you want to rent, uh, like, friendly way, mm-hmm. when from Amazon US I got uh, some 3M hooks, like uh-huh. they've got, but um, they're called the, I think it's Tab tab pad pro or something um and they yeah they're like really strong three m hold little clips that you put one on the tablet and one on the wall and then they just slide the tablet on the wall look pretty slick Um, and then to take them off you just get a hair dryer and um some fishing wire or something to take off the wall cleanly Um, oh nice okay i've considered putting it onto a bookshelf or something like that so it's not actually on the wall um yep right but the moment i've got like uh just my phone app, my wife's phone app, and then everything else I've tried to just not necessarily need um, too much interaction. Yeah. Um, but I want yeah. to start looking down that way because I'm looking at like whole home audio and stuff at the moment. And I want you know, some controls on the wall for that. Yeah. That's yeah. Interesting. Are you planning on doing most of those wirelessly? Because again, like you were saying earlier, we can't, you can't run cables and do all of that stuff, right? Um. Yes, for the moment. We're, we're currently looking to buy a house, so we're sort of, right. I'm sort of sort of looking that way in the future, but at the moment it's yeah. just, yeah, it's just some wireless stuff. I'm using like a Logitech Media Center, um, okay. which which is really nice. It works really well. Um, I've just found out because I'm running it on a like a, a Raspberry Pi with a DAC hat and some bookshelf speakers, um, but I found out that there's, there's, um, there's like a, software repository called squeeze light that you can put onto a esp32 and then there's no sim uh sd card or anything to worry about just runs Mm. runs on that so i've ordered a little 20 dollar board i want to test that out when it comes in nice that's perfect yeah so i'm guessing you're good with a soldering iron i'm not too bad with a soldering iron. i'm okay um i'm i'm not great but um i've done a little bit here and there for work as well so yeah, 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 that's always been yeah. my challenge with the ESP stuff. I'm like, if I have to do any wire, fiddly wires or anything, I like, no, nah. I get so frustrated. Like, <laughs> just no, nah, I'm buying something that will just work. That's why I've got you know Sonos everywhere and um, yeah, yeah. What have you I done in terms of like the the UI for that though? I'm try- I'm kind of struggling with that at the moment, making something nice and intuitive and yeah. So. For like for in terms of like audio, audio, yeah, yeah, um, not much. Like, well, not well, I yeah. should say. Um, I we use um the Amazon Echo as a driver, you know, um, uh-huh. so we can pair them with Sonos and say, all right, this Echo speak, this Echo dot. When we play music, it plays through this Sonos speaker, um, which is all great until great. the Sonos speaker is up so loud that if you need to change the song or turn the volume down, the little lady can't hear you because <laughs> it's using a different speaker. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's no, you know, I can't then say, you know, to her, I'll play this music in another room. It doesn't get that fine control. Um, uh-huh. For that, I would use the Sonos app on my phone. I mean, I'm yeah, the master okay. of that, right? So there's no 
no one else in the house. Um, I did at one point start experimenting with some Lovelace uh, dashboards when I had, um, when it was still called Lovelace and when I had a tablet on the wall in my rental. Yeah. Um, there was a little music page that I had um, and I had, I was using tiles um, and essentially you would, there was a drop down, you would choose which speaker you wanted to play on. Um, and that'll have some input balloons, you know, do you want to play the music everywhere or do you want the music uh-huh. to follow you around the house based on motion sensors It would then group the speakers together when there was occupancy in a room. Um, and then there was just basically, here's some Spotify playlists or some tuning radio stations and you just tap that, it would fire a script which would then read which speaker was in the drop dropdown um, and play the selected playlist um, to that speaker. It worked yeah, pretty okay. well, but, yeah, no one except for me, really admired it, if that makes sense. <laughs> Plus, you know, then you're restricted yeah. to whatever those set playlists are, right? Um, and, you know, for us at the moment, you know, with kids, you know, it's always the wiggles essentially at the moment. But, okay. you know, I'm guessing as they get older, they're going to have different tastes or, you know, we might want to not listen to the wiggles, you know, every day of the year. Um, and so yeah. you can't, unless you go in and change that dashboard, there, there's no way to really free select music. There's no search box or anything like that. Yeah, I'd be looking at like the radio browser so that you can have mm. sort of different music instead of having the same stuff all the time. Um, yeah. But what I really want is podcasts. I'm a big podcast listener, but I can't find any details anywhere of how people have done that. Um, as in, have an interface within Home Assistant that, that yeah. does it. Because I think there's um, certainly like you can integrate RSS feeds um, uh, into Home Assistant, you know, display, right? There's a new episode of the podcast out here. Um, but how you, yeah, yeah play them, I'm, yeah, I, I haven't really yeah, looked at that either. Yeah. That would be cool, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't do a ton with Home Assistant with audio, but. I guess you could like, assuming that you've got like, you know, the podcast feed, you could essentially download the MP3 file when the RSS changes, save that to the local, um, like the, the local directory of Home Assistant where the www uploads are, and then yeah. that would be accessible to the Home Assistant media player. You would just browse the local server, uh-huh. and then from the server, it then could cast out to your available media players. That might be one way to do it. Yeah. But, yeah, okay. I'll look into that. Yeah. But then it's got to obviously be able to read the ID3 tags, you know, because, you know, some podcasts will have just a UID as the MP3 file name and, and then, uh, you're, then you're stuffed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Are you using any voice assistance around your house? Like as we... Well, it's funny that? you say that because the reason I'm so I'm kind of gone the Logitech media server route was because I had a bunch of Google Home minis and then I don't know if you heard for for a little while there they said oh we will not we'll do one speaker group and that's it yeah and update yeah, came I, down and ruined it all and I just said screw it I'm going to do something else. Well, I think um, they had a um, uh, an argument with Sonos. They were got into a bit of legal trouble with yeah. Sonos. And they they removed yeah, yeah. it and I think now they're bringing it back because they won the the legal case or they paid something to Sonos to sort of yeah I believe it's back, it. but I've since bought a bunch of hardware and you know. So yeah. I'm kind of moving yeah, that one out, but we'll, yeah, we do. Right. Yeah, we do have those still for voice. Um, I did muck around a little bit with, you know, the year of the voice stuff. Um, there was there was a YouTube video recently. Um, I can't remember the name of the channel, but he was like integrating uh, Chat GPT uh, to have you know better um mm. conversations and that sort of stuff but yeah. I messed around with that a little bit and it was it was okay but it's not quite there yet because ryan would you yeah. show me a youtube channel of uh someone that actually put chat gpt to control the whole house yeah. right yeah i've seen a, i've seen a few of them um and i've actually been trying to get local ai working and stuff like that too right because that's kind of a local drop and replacement for chat gpt uh, as in, they use the same API structure, so you can just use any ChatGPT extension in or plugin in Home Assistant and and actually use that to do uh, whatever. Except it runs all locally, which obviously I'm a pretty big fan of. But uh, I actually just couldn't get the <laughs> the service running at all, so it was like it just craps uh-huh. out every time. And apparently, there's a known issue that's gone on for quite a while actually that i'm not sure is being uh i don't know if it's being worked on or what have you i think it's 
it's a known issue. I just don't know if it's a big enough known issue or a wide enough spread known issue that it's uh, it's a problem. But I've tried to. I've been playing around with a couple of other plugins and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, right now I've, I'm I'm just watching like a lot of people on YouTube and stuff like that that are like, hey, we're doing this thing with ChatGPT or with some local variant of that. Um, there's uh-huh. actually a thread on the home assistant community where somebody developed a, uh, another, um, basically another extension that, uh, that they were looking at for, for that, uh, for running a local kind of generative AI thing. Right. So, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I haven't done a ton with it, but I don't know. It, it, it is, it is, it's intriguing. Right. Oh, I think it'd be great once it, once it matures, it'll be, it'll make things so much better. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years to see just how, much this AI infiltrates our lives and also in the smart home space, right? Because I think um, in smart homes, we're sort of like on the cutting edge of, you know, new technology in general, right? Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, to me, that should be the home uh, home assistant theme for 2023 right? or 2024, right? So it's saying like, you know, you had year of the voice, yeah. maybe this is year of the local AI, right? That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be. We'll see. I, I'm. I'm hoping there's a lot more stuff on that that comes in and, and do that kind of thing, right? So, don't go anywhere. We'll be back with Simon in a minute. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Maybe you want to add a bunch more automations in your home. Maybe you want to do some other stuff. What are you doing well already this year? Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally got that one room automated. Maybe you got it organized uh, and you want to tackle something else. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make those changes really stick. Therapy is really helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It really empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma or anything like that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com assistant to get your 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash assistant. Don't settle when it comes to your pup's health. Make the switch to gently cooked food made with real ingredients and backed by science. That's Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real, wholesome ingredients you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real, good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, freshly made and shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. A friend of mine has a dog and can't wait for their first shipment from Nom Nom. He started with their sampler pack so he could really test out what his dog likes and will share his feedback in an upcoming episode. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash homeassistant. Spelled try n-o-m dot com slash home assistant for 50% off. Trynom.com slash home assistant. Well, what else are you doing um, around the house, Simon? I mean, it's uh, I know like in terms of automations and those kind of things, like what what are some of the other pieces that you're you're doing in there? Oh well, I mean, since I've got the the alarm everything. Uh, put in now i've got like a sentry mode sort of thing so um will it'll yeah. monitor when everyone's there and then once we leave um it'll send me like a a critical uh actionable notification 
I said, you know, yeah. give me three minutes to to intervene, otherwise it arms the house. Um, okay. But then I was getting like constant notifications, uh, not constant, but every time it would arm, it would have the previous time it armed there as well, so they'd be stacking up. Um, right, yeah. But then I found that there's there's a call you can make to clear it, so it now yep. clears it off. So uh, that works well. Um, the nice. Um, I've got a bunch of my mum's pot plants here. She's got like a, a spare key to the house because um, mm. they sold their place, so she's got no no room at the moment. Um, but her um, her phone and my stepdad's phone is is monitored on the Wi-Fi um, and with BLE. So it automatically disarms and goes into guest mode automatically if they come in to water the plants or whatever. And so we haven't touched the alarm panel in forever. I don't think my wife even knows the code. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if it, if it fails one day and she needs to, you know, put in the code because the alarm's going off, I don't know how well that will go down, but we'll, we'll face yeah. that what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and this is actually a good um, question because I, I saw in your original email um, that you sent, like you've got a whole bunch of, different modes for your house, so sentry mode and guest mode. Um, yeah. How, can you, like, explain to me, like, how, what do the different modes, like, how does the house structured when the house is in those modes? What does it entail right. for you? Like, what's the difference between guest mode and, and holiday mode for you? Um, so, I'll, uh, holiday mode would be, like, uh, you know, simulated lighting and uh, sometimes I'll stream stuff over the TVs to make it look like someone's here, you know, that sort of yeah. stuff. Uh, it also obviously arms everything. Um, it'll send me notifications if, you know, the alarm's been triggered or anything like that. Um, I also found like a an email to SMS gateway through Telstra. Yep. So it sends me text messages in case, you know, something else is not working with the notifications. Um, nice. But then I've got like guest mode that'll stop certain things from happening and I could do that either with a boolean or, like I said, automatically with certain certain things. Um, and then I've got, um, like, one of the latest things I was doing is I want to try and improve some of the automations based on the context. Um, so I've got, like, a I did a script with some of the new response variables, and so it sends me back. I can send it at an NTID, and it'll send back, oh, this person pressed this. Uh, on the UI or it was done physically via a switch and I can, you know, do all sorts of conditions on that yep. um, to sort of smarten up the, the automations a bit. So um, I'm trying to get a lot more context on a lot of things. Uh, I've just, I've got devices everywhere and, you know, I, I want to get as much info as I can, but I'm not necessarily using them for one particular thing. I'm just, you know, honing down on every single automation and trying to make it as seamless yeah. as possible. Yeah, nice. And for your automated like holiday lighting and, and TVs, are you using that? Uh, any packages to do that? Like any um, custom components, or are you just doing automations to? Basically- it sounds an automation. I think it was Slacker Labs that did it okay. uh, on YouTube. I found one of his automations that worked really well. It was like just a bunch of random uh, timers and things like that, and yep. um, yeah. it would grab from a template a bunch of light entities and randomly pick one then that works quite well yeah that's cool because i know like i use the custom component alarmo um to simulate an alarm panel in home assistant okay um because i don't have a physical alarm system here um but that gives me you know the house modes you know um vacation mode um is mm-hmm. it night mode to, you know and all that um so yeah being able like i've also got it so that if we the ha- if the house is in armed away mode for more than 24 hours, uh, it mm-hmm. automatically goes into vacation mode. So, yeah, then it would be the next step is, okay, now let's automate, you know, lights turning on in vacation mode, yeah. TVs going on and, and all that. Because I think I've seen some component, like, yeah, some scripts out there or blueprints, you know, to automate it, right? Like to essentially they'll maybe think there's some out there that will monitor your usage patterns, you know, what lights you generally mm-hmm. use and yeah. then simulate that over time. Like, so when you're on vacation, if it knows, all right, usually at this time the kitchen lights are on, I will then turn those lights on um, to sort of yeah. give it a more natural feel. So Yeah, yeah so yeah. mine's very similar. I think it's 18 hours that I use, uh, but yep. I also use the proximity component. So if everyone's more than 150 k's away, it goes straight into holiday mode. Nice, yep, yep. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's actually good. Yeah. Proximity, I've got I've got that linked up, so I may as well use that too. Yeah. 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 That's actually really smart there too. What I want to um, try and do is sort of go down into like room level. Um, and I've done a little bit with um, ES presence and, and yeah. using that. But I don't want to have like two ESP boards in every room, one for ES presence and one for ESP home stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, I've been using like the private BLE tracker device. Yeah. Um, and that sort of gives you like in one of the attributes it gives you like a estimated distance, but I don't find it very useful. Like it's not right. doesn't seem to line up as well as ES presence. But where it tells you whether you're home or not, it gives you the the source MAC address. So I've just put that in a in a in a template somewhere and said, okay, this MAC address is in this room. Um and that way I get rid of the extra ES presence board and just run on another ESP home device that I've got other sensors on. It's giving me the yep. room level uh, detection and that that's, um, seems to be working okay. I've only just started doing it. It's not quite as accurate as ESP Home, but maybe once I get more nodes, it'll become a bit better. Does that mean that you would then have to carry a device around on you to know what room? Yes, it, but I'm doing it off uh, Apple Watch, so it's oh, basically right. always got it on anyway. So. Yeah, that's cool. How do you find your detection yeah. speed though? Like, is it sleeping, or like, is it every sixty seconds that it would detect the Apple Watch, or is it pretty quick? I think it's from what I was reading. It it sort of depends. Like, Apple um, does it based on a bunch of different conditions. Yep. Um, so sometimes you'll walk into the room and it'll be like instant. You'll cross a barrier and it'll be like, okay, you're in this room now. But other times it's a little bit slower. Um, but I don't know if that's a signal strength thing. I haven't worked that out yet, whether it's a signal strength thing or it's just not as quick. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I would think it would be fairly quick, right? Because at the end of the day, it's more passively uh, reading it anyways. So it's just looking for that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the logs in ESP Home, if you put them in, like, debug mode, you get a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems pretty quick. Like, it's constantly coming in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it should be, it's probably not a range thing, right? It's probably just, uh, it, it might just, or sorry, it's probably just, it's it's too far, if not not a not a slowness, right, if anything. Yeah, so. yeah, but you don't get, like in ESP, uh, ES presence, you can say, you know, the boundaries of the room are this many meters. We don't, we don't yeah. have anything like that yet. Yeah, so it sort yeah. of picks up the other room sometimes. Um, but yeah, it, that makes sense. It seems okay. We'll see how that goes. Now, tell me about uh, garbage bins for you because I know, like, I've tried to, I've thought about some crazy ideas for my garbage bins, but yeah. what, what have you done? I have a uh, a tile, an old tile that I had, and I yep. zip-tied it to the garbage bins, <laughs> nice. one yep. to each. Yep. Uh, and I had an ES presence node in the garage. <laughs> um, but the reason why this happened is because our our garbage collection is on a Monday night, um, which is fine, but we have quite a lot of public holidays on a Monday mm, and you just right. never remember on the public holiday because you're not at work and you're probably, you know, the normal routine. And so a few times we'd just completely forgotten and there was, you know, rubbish <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. So sort of went down this route and, and um, that works well. You can have, you know, some sort of BLE beacon and an ES presence um node and based on the distance you'll know whether it's up in the driveway or down on the street uh, and funny. if it's not there at the right time of day then i get a notification to take it down now what sort of tile are you using the uh the tile pro that you can replace the battery in it's it was a really old one so i don't know what it i don't yeah. know what it is but it did have a coin cell battery in it okay i tried a couple of um like cheaper one yeah. random ones off uh, AliExpress, but they'd go to sleep and they just didn't work too yeah. well. Yeah, I, mm. I use the same tile pros, like, love them. Um, I've got them in my daughter's backpack, you know, I've got my okay. keys. Um, the only problem, I, like, I really like them because you know, you just replace the coin cell battery, right? But I, I've found now that you can't buy replaceable 
battery tiles in Australia, at least. Um, they're all Why is that? Three, uh, they've all gone like same with the iPhones, right? It's all non-replaceable batteries, three-year battery life, oh, yeah. a sealed unit for waterproof. Um, I think Tile do make a battery replaceable unit. Like it's Tile, now it's called the Ultimate Pro or something like that. But for whatever reason, it's not for sale in Australia, um, which is annoying. Um, so, yeah. And then my other thing was... With I've thought about, you know, connecting like a tile or a Bluetooth tracker to the bin, but I've always been, I don't want it, you know, whatever's keeping it on the bin to give way. And then as it's going, you know, the garbage trucks picking up the bin, there goes, you know, $50 Bluetooth tracker, tracker. in the rubbish bin, yeah. right? literally down the rubbish. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, a zip tie seems pretty secure. Yeah, you got these up like the handle and there's there's a little post there. It's it's yeah. on there and it's it's pretty tight. So it's been yeah. there for I don't know, a couple of years. And it's fine, and it's okay in the weather, like not the rain doesn't Yeah, surprisingly it's been it's been okay, yeah. Oh, that's good. Right. Well yeah, it's, I do like that. And unfortunately, I guess depending I, on where you live, because we have um we don't have bins for the recycling and whatever we have uh like boxes right like so it's like a recycle uh-huh. box um so and and these guys i've literally seen like some of our like uh the like garbage collection folks like they'll they'll grab it they'll toss it in because again they're in a rush right so they'll toss it in uh-huh. they'll literally just chuck the box <laughs> so it's uh yeah <laughs> Like it's not going to stand that. Like uh, I, I've got no. like four broken boxes. <laughs> like like it's it's it's. Uh, luckily, the city like they'll replace it because they they know right. Like they. Uh, but it's uh, like again, I don't I don't blame the workers either. Just again, they're they've got a timeline that they have to get all these homes done. Yeah, in, right. Fun. So it's uh, you take it, chuck it in, chuck it out. Right. So it's. Uh, but yeah, it is. I guess I'm trying to think because that is actually a really good system. Like just. But even like gluing a sensor down is just—it's like I feel like it's—it's it's not going to work. No, but I mean, if I had cameras, I'd do like frigid or something, and say, you know, are the cameras at the top yeah. of the driveway and uh, yeah. are the bins there, you know. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, some people I've seen used like a vibration sensor because it picks up the tilt. So when they wheel yeah. the bin down, the build the bins on yeah. a tilt. So. Interesting, yeah, but same same problem, right? Is they still got the yeah, yeah. So I know we were talking about um, like different house modes and stuff a little earlier. Um, I just want to go back to that. So what are you what are you doing um, in terms of like managing like let's say you're past 150 kilometers, your house is now in uh, vacation mode or holiday mode. Yes. Uh, what what is your um, what is your house doing in terms of like heating, cooling, all of those kind of things? I, I don't really. I've got a really, really old aircon system here. Like it's yeah, we're twenty five years old. Like there's no integration or anything there. It's just like a a cheap panel on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. But I did do like a. Um, it gets really cold in the house in in winter, so yeah. I've got some some smart plugs and some you know like some oil space heaters. And yep. they sort of regulate the temperatures in, in, in the rooms, especially when the kids were sort of younger and didn't want to wake them up in the middle of the night because they were freezing and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that would be based on a whole bunch of stuff, whether they're in, you know, whether they're in the room uh, and if we leave, they turn off automatically in the morning and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it was just sort of maintaining a, a, a baseline. Um, but right. that's all I really do. Um, the only other thing is fans. Like if it's really hot, you go in the room, it'll it'll turn on. Um, yeah. But, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have any aircon integration at the moment. It'd be nice. Yeah. Okay. So, you don't have, like, um, the the aircons that you do have, there's no, like, IR blasters that you could access or anything? No, it's like a it's like a, um, a adapted system and right. it's just a really old panel on the wall. It doesn't, doesn't take anything, like... Yeah, I sort of looked at it and thought, you know, can I hack something together? But I don't know if I really want to take the risk. Yeah. I, I was, was going to say, break out the soldering iron, right? It's uh, not quite. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, if, if it all goes terribly, I guess maybe they'll upgrade it to a new one. I don't know. But no, I don't, I don't think I will. 
Are you tracking the temperatures in each individual room? So for those oil heaters that are on, can Uh you like automate them so when it gets to a target temperature to turn them off as well? Or is it just... Yeah. Yeah. So I've got some um, Philips Hue motion sensors and they've got temperature in them as well. Yeah. So they do like motion temp and and ambient light level. Um, Okay. So it sort of turns them on and off throughout the night. Like you can actually see in the graph, like it goes on, off, on, off, on, off and just maintains the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you tracking any of those stats long-term apart from Mrs. Have you got like any Grafana or anything set up? I, I've played around with it in the past and I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. But then I sort of never did anything with it. Like once yeah. I got it, I was like, what do I do with it? Like there's, <laughs> I, I've, I've logged, logged together the, like yeah. the solar panels. Um, they're, they're in the, the energy, uh, oh, yeah. energy, uh, location. Um, but I could see all that. But other than that, I don't, I, I don't really use it. Like I, it's nice to see, but I don't, I don't know how I would use it. I need some good ideas on that. Yeah, I I um, started the same thing, and then I was sort of like, all right, well, I don't know really. I can't automate against this data yet, and no. then you sort of change some entity IDs, and the data goes away, and then you go, oh, uh-huh. actually, because uh, I was thinking, all right, I want to look at the blinds. All right, I've been in this house for a couple of years now. I want to look at the blinds. Um, it's an annoying angle of the sun. Maybe I can look at what the sun angle was this time last year. Okay. Um, maybe there's, there's some correlation between there. And then I'm like, right. oh, entity IDs have changed and I haven't been looking at this thing like it's been broken for, you know, six months. So the data's gone. Like it would be good for like long, like, you know, what's the average temperature in a bedroom over the three years or whatever, but it requires you to maintain it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Just- it's. I find a lot of people collect it for the sake of collecting it. Um, but there are a lot of people that will actually go back and review that data. Right. And, and uh, again, to say, okay, how can I improve my automations? How can I do all of that? I, I, I think it's more for you rather than for, to Phil's point, to, uh, rather than for automating against, um, mm. not that yeah. there's no possible way to do that, but it might be, it might be again, that data is live in home assistant, right? So you don't need to go look back into, uh, I'd love to be able to get to the point where I could say, all right, I've changed the automations to close the blinds now when it gets over 26 degrees and the sun's at a, like at the angle where the sun's going to come in. Uh-huh. Um, close the blinds. Does that have any, does that actually reduce the temperature inside the house like by a couple of degrees? Right. Or has that just done nothing and I could keep the blinds open and just blast the aircon at the same temperature and be in the same position, yeah. right? Like I'd love to be able yeah. to go to that level and ask questions of the data, but I'm not that much of a data scientist nerd to... Exactly. It's correlation. Right? It's, yeah. yeah. I'd like to do it off power usage and see how much mm. it actually reduced yeah. things. Um, yes. But yep. Like holy grail would be to have like you know, everything connected, your, your power usage, your solar coming in, yep. uh, and, and then do things like, I don't know, you're getting too much excess solar, yeah, cool a house for free, like all that exactly. sort of stuff. Exactly, yes. Yeah. 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 So, have you got um, energy monitoring? You said you've got solar panels integrated into Home Assistant. Are you actually monitoring your energy consumption through Home Assistant? I don't have. Um, we got a smart meter installed, um, mm-hmm. but it's not linked in. There's some proprietary Zigbee thing that it uses. Um, mm, right. But I think there's some sort of API someone had, had used to grab it off the app. It doesn't come yep. in as often, but. I haven't looked into it yet. I'd like to. Yeah, right. One of the listeners to the podcast um, gifted me a Rainforest Eagle. Yeah. Um, and we've got the same thing down here in Victoria. Um, smart energy meters, Zigbee based. Um, so I would just go to the power distributor um, and give them my meter number, um, okay. give them my name so that they can check, all right, this meter belongs to me. And then they expose... Um, the Zigbee radio key to me, which I can then plug into the um, rainforest. And it's just like a, it just reads the meter in real time based on the Zigbee data flowing over the air. Um, and yeah, okay. I can then, uh, then expose that data through a, a Docker container that then pushes the rainforest Eagle data through MQTT. And that goes straight mm-hmm. into home assistant. Um, and away it goes. I'll definitely be looking at one of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, think if you've got 
um, solar panels. Um, it should, you might be able to get that from the um, your distributor anyway. Um, or maybe there's another API or something you could access. But yeah, so it's definitely cool. I've got, the, I've got the solar stuff coming in, just not the what we're using yeah. uh, off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, th- I definitely recommend looking at that because yeah, it certainly works uh, for me in Victoria. So it's a good chance, in, you know, same system in New South Wales. Um, I mean, a few as well. Definitely. Yeah. What's um What's your sort of end goal? Home automation, sort of, you know, holy grail. End goal. Um, I think I've achieved most of it. Like. Right, it's like as minimum maintenance as possible, yeah. or um, just like getting the house to assist where it can. So I got a robot vacuum last year, and it's just a game changer, like in terms of just keeping the house clean. Right, mm-hmm. we do have to tidy up so many toys. Right, every day the toys just come out, and you have to move the toys so the vacuum cleaner can get around them. That's that's an annoying can't, house can't help with that. But, you know, things like, and I think you've done the same thing that I did, dishwasher and washing machine notifications, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, so I've got a three-year-old daughter and I have an announcement from uh, when we walk into the kitchen, if the dishwasher has been marked as clean from the power mm-hmm. usage, um, the Amazon Echo will announce that the dishwasher is cleaned and it needs to be unstacked. And my daughter is in that perfect age where that's exciting for her, right? Oh, the dishwasher's got to be unstacked, and she's in the age where she can help. So I've almost automated the dishwasher getting unstacked. No, as soon as she hears that, she's like, "Yes, I need to unstack the dishwasher." And away she goes. She'll start putting the cutlery away, and I'm making sure she's not going to drop her plate and smash it. Um, yeah, I've got you know washing machine notifications. So many times we would just the washing machine would turn off and we would not remember to take the clothes out and then you'd open them up and, oh, got to do the washing okay. again, right? Um, yeah. I've also got to the point now where um, as soon as I, once the washing machine's done, if I walk into the room, into the laundry, open up the washing machine, then go to take the washing outside so an external door opens, the house will know that there's washing outside so it will remind me to actually bring it in because I always forget. I'm going to get the sunset. I'm like, oh, oh that's good. I'm going to take that one. Yeah, take it like I forgot the washing's out on the line, right? Um, yeah. Uh, or, and then uh, the premises will remind me, you know, I think it'll send me a telegram message, you know, 30 minutes before sunset, you know, go bring the washing in before it gets uh-huh. dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've also got a, um, a weather station outside. So if it starts raining, um, and it detects rain, it will actually say, hang on, there's rain, you've got washing outside, it's raining, uh, go bring it in now. And okay. it also look, um, I, I wish I listened to it. I, I did this, when was it, Thursday or something? I wish I had listened to myself. Um, it looks at the forecast, <laughs> and if I go to take washing outside, and it says, oh, hang on, I've got a telegram message, there's a 70% chance of rain today. Maybe hang the washing out inside, don't put it outside. And I was like, nah, it's fine. Those grey clouds are ages away. And literally five minutes after I got inside, <laughs> Bush rain all over the clothes. I'm like, oh, that'd be bloody right. Um, That's funny. So yeah, just yeah, just the house trying to be yeah. a good guy, right? And um, yeah, I like those. They're good, simple but useful. Yeah, and also like oh, the next <laughs> I want to go to is like turning the TV off when no one's in the living room. Like my daughter, you know, watching cartoons, and then be like, all right, I want yeah. to play this now, and the TV's still playing. Like, all right, I can turn that off. Um, and where? Yeah, yeah. And, Robot Lomo is definitely my future. I was hoping some options in CES would come out, but I'm not sure yet. But once the yeah, house I, 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 need an, I need an inexpensive one though. Right now they're yes. all like <laughs> way exactly. beyond my budget, right? It's exactly yeah. too expensive or I have to run wires everywhere. Um, and I'm not, yeah, yeah or both. <laughs> so yeah, if I can get the house to mow its own lawns and water the garden, um, yeah. and yeah, I'll be happy. I did an irrigation system at my mum's place. Um, oh, really? You had to go... system. That was pretty good. Yeah. Did you, like, so, run the pipes and everything yourself? Well, actually, they had, like, um, they had tap um, yep. tap valves because there was three yep. taps around the house. Um, and they were using those for a while, and it was just battery-powered stuff, and they were just rubbish. They just kept dying at the reset the tile on everything on them right. constantly. Yep. Um, so we ended up running... Um, some cabling down to the tap um, and put a like a proper valve on it. Yep. Um, and had like a, um, it was like a sun off four channel pro in the garage. 
with the four right. zones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that worked really well. Uh, you could just go in and, you know, you had the automation on the device itself. Yep. You'd press the button that would go for, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever and then turn off again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would stagger through the zones and that, that was pretty good. That's nice. Yeah. But I've got, like, I've got one automation that makes me laugh every time because I've got, like, a, it's like a text-to-speech thing. So if the internet goes down, um, there's, like, a ping binary sensor that's yep. pinging Google yeah. and it goes, it just lets us know the internet's gone down, you know, it's, um, going into offline mode or whatever. So, But if the kids are on the iPads, they're just, you know, it's devastating for them. <laughs> and, and, and then there's, a, you know, there's another one that comes on that says, you know, the internet's been restored and they're just, you know, cheering and, you know, yeah. it's, it That's makes funny. me laugh. Yeah. yeah, I've got so many, like, problem binary sensors in home. You know, like just monitoring, you know, uh, this device is offline, you know, that means that's not going to be able to be automated. And, Definitely. Yeah. Um, which is annoying. I've got like critical and non-critical. There's always a critical problem. Like, cause I've got Zigbee issues at the moment. I'm always seeing, you know, like, Oh, this water sense, this water leak sensor has gone offline. I'm like, I've got to go repair that now. Or this blind has gone yeah. offline. I've got to go repeat, repair that. Um, Are you using like a sky connect or a? Yeah. I've got the home and sky connect at the moment. I've come from the combi onto the sky connect. Um, I'm, yeah, I think my next move is going to be creating two Zigbee networks again. Um, yeah, one on the combi, one on the Sky Connect. Um, splitting them, I think there's just I don't know what it is. It's too many devices going on, and mm. yeah, network just it's frustrating. How me. many but have you got? Sixty something, I think. Oh, okay. Count. Yeah, a lot yeah, of them I'm, are powered, so they should all be routable. Yeah, I was going to say because you have a lot of mains powered ones, right? So yeah. they shouldn't be, and th- that obviously strengthens the mesh quite a bit more too. So. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, I sorry. found the problem is the interference. So yeah, when I, I tried moving my Wi-Fi network around, which helped a little bit. Um, yeah, but the thing is, like uh, for blinds, for example, like um, I can't. Uh, blinds can send their status back to Home Assistant. That's fine. But when I try and control the blinds from Home Assistant, I just get a failed message. Like could not send mm. the um, control packet to that device or whatever. Um, right. Yeah, and if I repair, like I go in and link it back up. Um, it'll go battery devices will just be marked as unavailable and I just link them back up and away they go. So it's a mission. I changed from the combi to the sky connect recently and I had, I had similar issues. Like I was constantly getting messages saying, you know, failed to receive or whatever. And I went back to the combi. I haven't figured out what the issue was yet. Cause I'd like to go to the sky connect, but mm. I haven't had as many and nearly as many issues. Yeah, I found the Sky Connect better than the Combi. Um, okay. And, yeah, I just think for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, um, but there's it just seems to be some limitation in the ZP network for whatever reason. Maybe I've got like a dodgy ZP device somewhere that's flooding the network or something. I mean, it might be your neighbor's right. Wi-Fi. There's nothing you can do with that, you know. So. Yeah, ex- exactly. But, yeah. Yeah, pretty lucky I'm in a detached house, so not too much interference around. Um, but do you have any end goals for your, once you get into your house, like, is it game on? Like, you're going to see? Uh, uh, probably. Uh, I'm sort of cautious as to how I do it because I don't want to be, like, I want to make things more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, you want to keep it as simple as possible. Like, I want to put audio sure. in the rooms, but then, you know, how do you control the volume easily yes, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so you've got to sort of really plan it out. but. If I can get rid of all batteries is wherever I can. Yep. Um, like I'm fiddling around with like POE um, EST development boards at the moment. Um, yep. Checking a bunch of sensors on there. Um, you know, if I could stick that in the ceiling in each room and not have to worry about batteries, then, you know, that would be great. Um, but, yeah, just I like getting ideas from everyone. Like you used to see all these. Um, Reddit posts, you know, what what have you done this week and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And there'd be some really good stuff in there, but I, yeah. I don't see it as much anymore. Do you think that's because people have, like, tapped out, like we've reached, like, the limits of Home Missus? I just feel as though, like, Home Missus is sort of limitless. Like, it just, yeah. There's always someone that can do something crazy with Home Missus, right? Like, people I are think it's, brewing yeah, beer I think with it, Home Assistant, like... It depends on how deep people want to go. Some people just aren't like I've got 
some other guys that I've worked with, you know, they're, they're engineers, you know, same as I am, but they just don't want to, they can't be bothered going really deep, whereas I'm the opposite, like I need to tinker with stuff. And yep. yeah, yeah, everyone's different, I guess. Well, I think there's also a lot of other, like, I guess it depends on where you look, who you're talking to, whatever, right? Like there's, there's still a lot of active discussions of like, hey, this is what I did or this is what, whatever, right? Hey. And it's, the problem is I think, everybody's homes are fundamentally very different too. And like, again, some people live on like, like a very large plot. Some people live Mm -hmm. in, Uh you know, uh, a much smaller like community, right? Like, like whatever. So it's like, you know, a lot more dense housing or townhomes, things like that. So different, different sets of problems, I think. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So I think it's just that kind of thing too. Right. So. I wouldn't mind one of those, uh, Tesla robots that can fold washing. Um, <laughs> oh. Did, did then, you see that though? Like there was the dude's hand in the corner. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, just well, yeah. Fold my washing, put it away, and then give me a software update with new features. Okay, now I can cook me this meal. I'll take it. Um, yeah, I've, yeah. I've been watching that other dude that's been doing the self-driving stuff, um, the comma AI guy. Um it's like a standalone device you plug mm-hmm. into your existing car and it just does self-driving. It's crazy. What? I'll have to find a link. I, I've it's seen open, a couple open of those. Source. It's called Open Pilot, the software. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I've seen that a while ago, but it's, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know how, like they seem really good, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, uh, can I trust that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Like, it uses the same onboard safety sensors and everything on the car. It just changes the driving algorithm. So, I think it's yeah, it's fairly yeah. good in that way. It's just interesting. Yeah, it is, it is. It is pretty cool. Cool. All right. Well, Simon, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. Um, we've yeah. really appreciated having you on. Um, yeah. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. See you guys. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.